0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We live in a culture of celebrity. It seems that everyone is guaranteed at least 15 minutes of fame, aren't they? But some people have found ways to parlay those 15 minutes into an entire career of fame. And sometimes we don't even know why they're famous. I mean, some people are famous because they come from famous parents, you know, that they've done nothing really in their own life. They just had famous parents, and so they became famous. And still other people are famous for no apparent reason at all. Have you noticed this? On television, And like, what did this person do to suddenly deserve all this fame? It seems like people don't even have to have any remarkable skill. They just have to look cute doing practically nothing at all, and they become famous. And I have mastered half of this equation. Unfortunately, it's the wrong half, and so um, no fame for me. You got that right. Yeah, it was, it was the it was the cute part. This is the difficulty. We we do Gaga over celebrity, if you'll pardon the pun, and and, and just kind of. They get all enamored with the books and magazines and television shows. I bet there's even university classes given to, you know, Tom Cruise's latest divorce or Beyonce's newest boyfriend or Eminem's latest tattoo. I don't know. Whatever it is that people get all crazy about, I'm sure that there's, um, there's all sorts of uh, ways in which we can kind of be captivated by all of the, the celebrity around us. But the problem, the problem with the culture of celebrity... Is that we actually begin to believe that these people that we see on television and on the concert stage and wherever are like this in real life? I mean, we think that the image that we see is the real image. And we want to be like them. We want to walk down the street with our sweatsuit on, with our dog on a leash, and have people say, oh, isn't she cute? Or, Man, isn't he handsome? But that's not real life, is it? You know, we walk down the street in our sweatsuit and we look sweaty, right? And, and our, dog, our dog isn't behaving nicely like the dog on the People magazine. Our dog is trying to attack someone's Pomeranian. You know, and we're fighting and straining at it. And we look ridiculous because we live in a real world. A world, world where dishwashers get broken, sinks get clogged. You know, your kid hits a golf ball off a tee with a driver in the front yard and goes through somebody's window. Don't ask. Um, You we live in this sort of world, uh, a world where there are problems and, and these models of perfection that exist in our mind, well, they're not real. And we say to ourselves, oh, you know, I'd give anything to be like, you know, fill in the blank. But as much as we'd like the idea of being perfectly famous something that would be better than our generically ordinary lives most of us don't want to become pitiful we don't want to become pathetic and so as much as we would like to be envied and admired and wanted and, and famous and all those sort of things we don't want to be we don't want to be someone that people look at and say, oh, gee, you could have done so much better You know, we we don't want to be that person maybe you've you know, gotten off the exit, one of these stops in Akron or Cleveland or something, and you saw a person standing on a street corner holding a sign, proclaiming himself homeless, saying he'll work for food or whatever that sort of thing might be. And you look at that guy and you say, "Gee, I, I mean, hopefully, you say I feel sorry for you. Hopefully, you feel compassion and and angst and and pity for this person. But hopefully, none of you say." You know, I bet I could do that, you know. I think, I think I could accomplish that. I don't think you do. If you do, I'm worried about you. Or, or you, you're watching television and you see this little malnourished child from Ethiopia or Rwanda or Haiti or wherever he happens to be from, and you know the image, right? This little boy, little girl with a big swollen belly and big sad eyes and bugs flying around them. And none of you look at that child... And if you have compassion on them, that's good. But none of you look at that child and say, Oh, gee, I I wish I was this fellow, or I I wish I could trade places with him and become that. Nobody wants that. Nobody says, Hmm, that's what I want to be. One more. Maybe you're a little bit nerdy like me. I know. You're surprised. You say, Joe, you're not nerdy at all. Yeah, I really am. But um, you, you, maybe you're a little bit like that, and you, you go on YouTube or, or somewhere, and you, you look at these scholarly debates that go on between um, you know, different uh, philosophers, maybe, like the, the Christian and the Atheist, one of my favorite ones to watch, and, and you're, you're looking through these, and maybe you've come to the point where you say, you know, they never pair these people up with adequate skill and background, do they? I mean, it's always one person is more qualified, more ready, uh, you know, more prepared, smarter. And so always one guy looks looks not so smart, you know? And he's always your guy, isn't he? You know? I mean, it's always, you always think to yourself, why did they pick this bozo to represent our position? Because that's not a really good representation, And maybe while you would like to trade positions with him, you know, I would like to defend my position, but I could do so much better. That's what I say. Put me in there. I could do better than this guy. Nobody wants to be him looking stupid. Nobody wants to look the part of the fool. Nobody. Nobody wants to trade places with that fellow. In the first century, there was a city called Corinth in Greece. And the Apostle Paul was traveling around, planting churches, starting new congregations that didn't exist out of anything. He just was a missionary going from place to place. And he stopped in the city called Corinth and he started a little church in the middle of this city. And Corinth was a famous city in the ancient world. It was known for its commerce. It was a seaport. It was known for, um, for its uh, pagan religion. There were 26 temples in the city of Corinth. It was known for its appreciation of arts and philosophy. And it was also a very wild, licentious city. I mean, Corinth was really a kind of a, a name in the ancient world that made people like, Oh, wow, you're from Corinth? Ooh, yikes. You know, you must be really up to some uh, some orneriness. Uh, um, Gordon Fee says that, uh, that the ancient city of Corinth was something like L.A., New York, and Las Vegas all wrapped up into one. And it was in this community that St. Paul plants a Christian church. Now... You have to understand to live in this city To to live in this environment And to be a Christian was very, very difficult Because at the center of the Christian faith was this A belief in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ You had to believe that Jesus was crucified by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor He died, was placed in a tomb That tomb was sealed He was dead in a real sense of dead Like no heartbeat dead And three days later, he rose from the dead. He was resurrected. Now, ancient Greeks had a belief in life after death. They sort of felt like this body was a a prison, and when you died, your spirit was set free. And ancient Jews had a belief that God would, at the end of time, resurrect all the righteous. But nobody, nobody in the ancient world thought that one person would be resurrected in the middle of human history. And so the Jews looked at Christians like they were a bunch of heretics. And the Greeks looked at the Christians like they were a bunch of morons. And the Christians had to sort of defend this belief, this central reality. that The resurrection of Jesus meant everything. It meant the only way that sins could be forgiven. It was the only way that God could reconcile the world to himself. That the resurrection of Jesus, the bodily resurrection, was central to everything that they believed. But they looked like morons for believing it. They looked like imbeciles, like people who, who, you know, kind of thought that maybe a poached egg should run for president. They were really sort of looked at as odd, eccentric, and crazy. You have to understand how very difficult it was to be a Christian in the ancient world. And so some people began to say, Here's what we can do. I have a good solution. We could just give up on the whole resurrection bit. Let's just hold on to Christianity, but no more of this resurrection nonsense. You know, we can just sort of believe in Jesus as a good man and that he led a good life and, and, you know, it could help us. I mean, we might even, you know, it's good for the community to believe in this sort of stuff. And it's in response to this belief that St. Paul wrote the 15th chapter of his first letter to the Corinthians. And maybe you know that there are only 16 chapters. Chapter 15 is the penultimate chapter. It is the crescendo of his argument. He's saying to the Corinthians, Don't give up on this. Do not, under any circumstances, give up on the belief in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Let me read to you again from chapter 15. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say there is no resurrection? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised, and if He has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Don't miss St. Paul's argument. He doesn't let us move away from it. Listen. If there is no resurrection, there is no such thing as Christianity. It's nonsense. It all hangs on the bodily resurrection of Jesus. If if it's not true, if He did not resurrect, then our preaching is in vain. Kenos in Greek, worthless, nonsense, you know, uh, uh, foolish, ridiculous. Our preaching is ridiculous if Christ isn't raised from the dead. And listen to this, verse 17. And if there is, Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Without the bodily resurrection of Jesus, there is no reconciliation with God. There is no way in which we can be off the hook for the rebellion that we have committed. We might be an ostracized minority, Paul says to the Corinthian Christians. But there's no middle ground here. There's no, well, we can have a little bit of Christianity, but not the whole thing. No, Paul says, it's the whole thing. It's resurrection of Jesus or nothing. There is no way in which you can live in the middle. Because if you're in the middle, you'll just be too good to be bad and too bad to be good. There'll be no joy in sacrifice. And there'll be no delight in hedonism. It's, it's, it's caught in the middle of, a, of a, an un, uh, unimaginable equation. Christianity is the central reality that Jesus has been raised from the dead or it is nothing the only way it works the belief in the bodily resurrection is not peripheral to the to the christian faith it is central it is the essence of christian faith the bodily resurrection of jesus and we'll tell you something and you're going to believe this is true so later today don't do it now i'll catch you if you do later today go look it up on the internet this is really true what i'm about to tell you is absolutely true okay there is a company in the United Kingdom called rentamorner.co. Okay, mourner I'm not kidding. It absolutely happens. Um, uh, you know, it's important to make a first impression. Some people have decided it's equally important to make a last one. You know, <laughs> um, you need a final impression. And so, um, and so they have uh, developed this uh, company called Mourner, And let me read to you from their website. Mourner can supply professional, polite well-dressed individuals to attend funerals and wakes. We are happy to take your guidance on how we might integrate and mix with your uh, other visitors. We are typically invited to help increase visitors to a funeral where there may be low turnout expected. This can usually be a popularity issue or being new to an area. Isn't that absurd? That somebody would rent friends to come to their funeral. I mean, really. I've seen a lot of ridiculous things in my life, but this is right up there at the top, you know. Um, I don't have enough friends. I want to leave a good last impression, so I'm going to rent people to come to... And I like that they're well-dressed and polite. That was really nice, didn't you think? Can you think of anything more pathetic than inviting fake friends to your funeral? (laughs) Only this. Thank you. Only this. Only thing I can think of more pathetic is holding on to Christianity without a belief in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. That, St. Paul says, would be even more pitiful. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.